on this episode of AV Week, we talk about the impact the U.S. election may have on the AV industry, new sales strategies, and Infocom International's international reach. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Atlas IED. This is AV Week, episode 272, recorded Friday, November 11th, 2016. Live from AVEC 2016. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Welcome. Uh, we are live, well, sort of, you're, when you're listening to this, we're not live, but we're coming to you from the AV Executive Conference in beautiful Key Biscayne, Florida. Um, thanks to Infocom for, for having us, for giving us a nice space to do. Um, this will be a little bit reminiscent of our Infocom stuff and our CDO shows and ISC ones where we kind of do a roundtable one group and we'll bring some some other folks in first uh, and foremost my my mentor and the uh, second best gentleman here his name is brock mcginnis how are you sir good to be here as always tim all right uh also with his student greenblatt um from control concepts also the host of our state of control show how are you i am well and a, and a young man i i just met uh, virtually about a month or so ago he was one of our speakers uh, so thank you so much for coming his name is ian altman thanks for happy here tim all right um ian i will start with you um what is your impression of, of this event i mean you you were a speaker you're an author you're, you're a consultant so you've been to a lot of these types of events just your impression of of the executive conference in well, general. what what strikes me is that you've got a bunch of people who on paper would be competitors Mm -hmm. who are all coming together, and the major difference that I see in this audience is that it's people who have a genuine interest in taking things back they could actually put to work in their business. So at a lot of events, it almost feels like a boondoggle. So people, people show up, you know, they have a few drinks, they hang out. And, and by the way, it's not that people here aren't having a good time, but their focus is about what can I take back and put to work in my business? How can I actually help grow my business? How can I help develop my team? And that's what really struck me is that there's people who kind of put any competitiveness aside and say, okay, how can we help each other and raise the bar for the overall industry? Which is, uh, Kennelly, as someone who speaks at 60 plus events a year, um, there aren't that many of them where I get that vibe. Very cool. Very cool. I think that's a fabulous observation. Yeah. And, uh, and the organizers of uh, the AVEC conference will be proud to hear that. Everybody that comes here spends their own money. Nobody's sent here um, and has to come to AVEC. We're all coming seeking uh, information that we don't have. And uh, some of the businesses are small to mid-sized and some are mid-sized to larger. But the largest AV business is still what your bank would call an SMB, and uh, and so we tend to have a lot of technical expertise, but we don't have a great deal of business expertise in a rapidly changing economy, particularly those of us, um, and you saw the average age of the crowd, those of us that have, have been around for 25 years plus, 
uh, if we haven't learned anything in the, those past 25 years, we're already in trouble. So um, we're here because we're hungry and thirsty and need um, not that kind of thirsty, Steve. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not this early. Hungry, hungry and thirsty, and we need input uh, from uh, professionals and experts uh, such as yourselves. Um, and it helped that it was delivered so enthusiastically. You also really love what you do, and I think that I said that to you when you came off stage yesterday. Thank you, Brock. Yeah, I, and in fact, I do love what I do. It's it, it's interesting for me because. Uh, and, and I'm flattered that you notice, wow, you really love what you do. The most flattering thing for me is when I see that somebody is actually putting these ideas to work. And then whether it's tweets that I heard from Steve or other people where the key message points, people are tweeting those out. And I think to myself, wow, they're getting it. This yeah. is going to have an impact for them. And the most fun for me is six months after an event, when I get a tweet, an email, something from someone who says, we've implemented this. And now it's grown this other area of our business. And we're up 20%. Last year we were down. That is the payoff for me, if you will. Yeah. Well, uh, I, for one, am glad you were at AVEC. I learned a ton. Thank uh, you. It was uh, uh, the exercises that we went through. Uh, Steve and I are on the same team. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to presenting those. Great. <laughs> and uh, our team's uh, missing us right now. But, you know. Are they're carrying the load. I'm sure they are. Yeah, I think I'm the spokesperson. Uh, Steve, real quickly, because this you've been to all, all four. This is the fourth annual one. You've been to all four. Give me an overview or an evolution from the very first one. Sure. And, and, and you don't have to be kind, because it was the first one, right? It was right. The, you, but, but all the way up until t this one. So I think the, the, the event has evolved, as you said, and, and it, it first stemmed from uh, I think uh, a it used to be something called the uh, the Infocom 100, which I think then turned into the AV Executive Conference. It it morphed, and the first one was more about the AV industry and what are the business challenges, what what in our industry do we face, and how as a group can we overcome them. And I think that slowly it's shifted to having bigger name speakers, more content that is relevant to any business, and. It, it helps us to understand that, that we're not in this, this small little bubble. <laughs> That's just the AV industry. We, we're, 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 we're businesses just like other businesses yep. uh, you know, throughout the, the world, and, and we face similar challenges and have to apply similar principles. And, and particularly for me, what, what I valued the most was learning about sales because from a technical background, that's not something that comes naturally. And it's something that I think is underestimated in, in our industry because I think for, for, for my experience, I've had, we, we've had many years of, of growth and many, many years of prosperity and, and sales may not have been the focus. And I think that having a good sales background and having the ability to refine the type of work that you're going after now can, can really help us quite a bit. And, and I think that we face some new challenges. So, well, so one of the points though that, um, that Ian made was that that salesperson, salesperson, yes, is becoming obsolete. The order taker is gone. The salesperson be is becoming obsolete, and the the, the subject matter expert uh, is who the customer wants to listen to. Well, your customers have been listening to you as a subject matter expert for a long time, and uh, and but I think a light bulb went off uh, for a lot of us who've been thinking um, enterprise style sales forces where instead of having all these AV people, we're just gonna, we'll, we'll hire some folks from Pitney Bowes and send them out into the field. <laughs> and if they can sell a copier, for gosh sakes, they gotta be able to sell a video conferencing system. <laughs> sure. Uh, and, and that's not 
the case, and I've seen it fail in the field um, with uh, some competitors. But it was, it, it, you know, I, it, that was one of the slides that I tweeted uh, yeah. because I, I think that's just brilliant, Ian. Well, and, and keep in mind, I, I appreciate you saying that. Keep in mind that the, the, real, the real point of that is not that sales is dead, but it's more if as a customer we would prefer to deal with a subject matter expert, it means that the evolution or the modernization of sales and marketing is all about demonstrating your expertise, being seen as the best the best resource for your customers and you in essence want to position yourself so that people said look if i have to meet with this quote salesperson or this subject matter expert if that's what it takes if i have to pay to meet with them that's what i'll do because they add that much value as opposed to the old school method of always be closing well right. always be closing triggers a response from the buyer of always be closing the door to keep them out so that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't really work effectively and instead we want to think about if we can uncover the problems that we solve with extraordinary results then we'll attract people that are facing those challenges right and all of a sudden now it's it's that whole metaphor that we use of same side selling of being on the same side of the table putting puzzle pieces together if your puzzle piece isn't the right fit for their puzzle Look, I mean, unless you're bringing in a jigsaw, it's not going to work. So you're better off finding that out early in the process rather than later. Well, one of the old school sales maxims was that, you know, it, it, sales is just a process of helping somebody buy what they want, what they need, or what they ought to have. And um, uh, the, the same side selling as a technique or an approach uh, makes it actually much more comfortable, not just for the customer, but for everybody on our side of the table. Exactly. Um, if we're sitting on that other side of the table. And there's a lot less failure stigma um, and stress for the people who are doing the, uh, you know, who, who are presenting solutions because it wasn't a lost sale. We're just not right. And this was one of the other points that, yes. uh, that you had made is that we're just not the right company for the problem that you have today. Yeah. But let's stay in touch because we think you'll probably encounter, like many of our other clients, other problems that we can solve for you. Yeah, and the, and the, beauty, the beauty of that is that when that happens, the customer says, you know, I'm actually willing when you call me in four months to take your call because you didn't keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and getting resistance. It, it's, it's an interesting thing. If I say to you, you know what, I don't think I'm the right fit for your organization. Something interesting happens psychologically. You, you think to yourself, well, where are you a good fit for us? <laughs> and if I say to you, we're the best thing ever, you say, well, not so fast, big fella. You know, yeah. Slow down. The, the other element is that in an industry where technical expertise is so valued, like this one, the engineers often are resistant to having any role in sales because this, their stereotypical vision of a salesperson is someone who is, uh, lacks integrity, who, and, and it compromises your ethics, and you say, I'm not gonna do that. Once they realize, oh, wait a minute, you, all I'm doing is helping people solve problems better than they can solve for themselves. Oh, I can do that. I just didn't want to sell anything. Exactly. Well, right. when you do that, you end up selling things. Yes. Yeah, it, it was a terrific message, and, and it resonated extremely well um, right across the conference floor. People Great. were yeah. talking about it last night. You know uh, you've delivered a successful presentation when folks are talking about it at dinner, they're talking about it at the bar, um, and, uh, and already thinking about how they can implement it. And one of the challenges we will find in our industry, if we have to have solution 
providing salespeople, um, they're more expensive. They need way more training. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, there's a much greater investment. In, and, and I think we're going to probably see more companies promoting technical people into sales yeah. rather than um, uh, teaching. And, and uh, you referred to that, you know, teaching engineers to communicate better. Yeah. Well, and, and oftentimes what I see in industries like yours is the way they grow their, quote, sales organization is by bringing in low to mid-level sales support people right. who, in essence, are tracking the process, who are helping with proposal development, who are keeping track of deadlines and deliverables, and their skills are more akin to a project manager than they are to a traditional salesperson. So they're the person who says to the engineer, look, I know we met with this client, everyone was excited. Remember we said we were gonna follow up with these three things next Tuesday. So I, I put these templates in this shared folder for you. So that way you can work on those. And they're kind of prodding them along because the area where the engineer may fall, may, may fall flat in this is the engineer says, yeah, yeah, but this one project I'm working on they need this, so I'm gonna just ignore this, quote, sales opportunity. And so that other person who shepherds them along makes sure that they have a great experience for the customer. And so the customer says, wow, I really feel taken care of, and you're kind of finding a combination of skills that work together. By the way, that's way easier than trying to teach someone who understands the sales process all about all the engineering and technology that goes into it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, all right, guys, we got to wrap up. Uh, w one quick question. Um, it, it's uh, the, the election in the U.S. was held this week. Uh, I, I don't want to get into it too deeply or, or too divisively, but I do want to tackle one thing because I, ha I have Brock here. Brock is from Westbury National out of Toronto. One of the things that the president-elect has said that he is going to look at repealing, and that's the NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. How does it does that impact the AV industry, and how does it? Um, I think there, uh, if NAFTA were repealed, there will be um, a lot of structural changes where things are manufactured. Uh, currently, a number of our large manufacturers uh, have uh, huge production out of Mexico, and that's you know it's high quality finished goods uh, at a lower cost than uh, than uh, you know typically they've been able to manufacture in the U.S. Whether um, whether prices go up as a result of that uh, is a is a long long term thing because they're not going to shut those factories down overnight and I'm not entirely sure it's going to result in more American jobs um, they just may manufacture further away and uh, because everything that comes in from China has a duty rate on it um, if they put the same duty rate on uh, on Mexican product uh, and it used to be higher but if they put the same duty rate on Mexican product as um, as Chinese product uh, there might be a four to six percent uh, sell-through increase in some pricing that will be passed on, but we're not going to see that impact for four or five years. Um, the nice thing about Washington is that nothing happens really quickly. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Uh, Ian, from your perspective, in overarching sales and economy, what impact does a new presidency and, and a new changeover from from one party to another have? Well, so uh, my perspective on this is that we often look for excuses for, well, the economy did this, or this political party did that. And what I will tell you is that the economy is made up of businesses and consumers who end up with a certain degree of confidence and advance their, their business or, or how, they, how they interact and, um, and conduct their commerce. And 
I'm a big fan of you can create your own economy. So when you see things change in the market, the companies that thrive will see those indicators and will respond to it. Or they will say, look, here's where I think the industry is going, and I'm going to get there ahead, so that way I can dominate that piece of the market. So for me, when I, when I look historically at different administrations, sir, there, there are certain industries that change because of the administration, but I think it's more of a psychological mindset that I would tell people, look, embrace this and say, oh, because of this, now I'm going to be very deliberate about how I grow my business, and remarkably, they'll succeed. Yeah. But if they, if they say, oh, I can't possibly succeed because there's a new administration, that will also become true. They won't because they said they won't. Yeah. Mr. Greenblatt, you'll have the last word, po political, uh, political or economy. I, I mean, the, the thing that I'll, I'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to take a, a particular side other than the fact that we all have to be on our toes and we, ha we have to read what, what's the climate. And, we ha and, and I think that you can win no matter which direction things go in. And, and even in bad economy, people were able to reinvent their businesses so that they were able to, to capitalize on new opportunities. Um, and, and I think that as long as we're, we continue to innovate, I think that that's, that's what's important the for us. The sun came up Wednesday morning. Did it? The stock I market, was amazed. The did stock it? market did not crash. <laughs> um, all of the you know, forecasts of gloom and doom, uh, my interest in being here on election night amongst Americans uh, watching was to see which half of the room was going to emigrate to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> and you were going to take them back with you. And I'll just take were them back. Were you selling tickets? I, 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 have, I have a large house. Because, Brock, let me tell you, a lot, a lot of my friends in Canada said that they had been raising money because you guys were going to build a wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. On that note, Mr. Brock McGinnis, thank you, sir. How do people find you? Uh, Brock at westbury.com. Brock.emma, actually. <laughs> we got rid of that last Why? time. Yeah. And I'm uh, Brock McGinnis on Twitter. All right. Very good. Mr. Greenblatt? You could reach me uh, at Steve Greenblatt on social media, and uh, my website is controlconcepts.net. All right, very good. And Mr. Altman, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And for me, it's, it's very simple. It's just Ian Altman on Twitter and ianaltman.com. And um, if you don't find me there, then it's somebody else. <laughs> All right, very good. Thank you, guys. A uh, new gang of guests, so we'll, we'll do introductions here real quick before we get started. Mr. Brad Grimes, kind of our host for this week. Uh, he is from Infocom. How are you, sir? Good. Thanks for having me, Tim. I say kind of because this is not your, your – you, you are not the uh, the organizer of this event. You just hang out and communicate. I've got the easiest job at the event. Absolutely, you do. I mean, it's <laughs> talking to wonderful folks like you. This is the easy part. Yeah. But uh, now everybody behind the scenes – uh, everyone in Gretchen Zito's and Betsy Jaffe's team, they, they put it on, and uh, I think they put on another good one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also with us is uh, Gina Sensavero from FSR. How are you? I'm doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and last but not least, buddy and pal, uh, Frank Pisano from Chief. Good to see you again, Tim. Good to see you. <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, it's it been 15 minutes. <laughs> we had breakfast sort of together. So, um, let, Let's get started here. We, we, we just had um, one of the presenters, Ian Altman, and... Uh, on talking about same-side selling. And um, that interview I did with him uh, about a month or so ago for Infocom Today impacted me as somebody who's developing as a salesperson. Uh, Frank, as somebody who, who deals in you know customer relationships, does that make sense for our industry trying to solve people's problems and, and being honest with them if, if our pit puzzles don't fit, fit their puzzles? Absolutely. I mean, I think he said so many things that resonated with everyone in that room. Um, I got a chance to talk to him 
afterwards and it was just uh you you could tell the the people in the room just you know were on his every word and it's not easy to do this is this is a it's an exceptional event but it's long and there's it starts early in the morning and you know um it goes late at night let me tell you that well uh so so to for him to go in the afternoon and have everyone on every one of his words um you know that his presentation is resonating with everyone um, so on the on the sales side, it was very interesting. I mean, I, I even tweeted out yesterday that uh, there's things that he said that will apply right away when we get back to the office, especially since we're deep into planning for uh, for 2017. But a lot of the things that he said will be, you know, at, a, at our national sales meeting, we'll we'll get out to the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gina, this is this is uh, not your first uh, AVEC. Compare it to other 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 AVEX or other business conferences you've been to. Um, I think this is my second or third AVEC, and I've also gone to the NSCA BLC, uh, the Business Leadership Conference, and I think that they really give the attendees a chance to work on their business and not in their business. And by that, I mean getting out of the day-to-day is really difficult for a lot of small and medium-sized business owners. And when you have a chance to literally leave that office and wrap your head around different concepts and hopefully bring them back and implement them, it gives you a leg up on a lot of people that weren't able to do that because they are still stuck in the daily grind. And once you see that your business doesn't fall apart around you once you leave it and once you start planning for it, um, I think that it really kind of energizes those people who are at these conferences. And I see it at the BLC, I see it here, and I think that's really the value that you take away is is learning to work on your business, not in your business. Yeah. Uh, Brad, uh, Infocom has recently started uh, talking about uh, the strategic plan. Uh, every once every three years, uh, the board gets together uh, along with uh, Mr. Lobuskus and basically presents a roadmap for the next three years. Yes. What does, and I'm not going to ask you to go through the, all, all the pillars, but in general, what is the overarching theme uh, of the strategic plan for the next three years? Well, I would say the, the overarching theme is ways of um, growing us beyond our industry. Um, Infocom and the industry, everybody who's been involved uh, for the last you know, 10, 15 years has been really excellent at growing this industry, professionalizing it, getting trained folks in it, um, coming up with great solutions. Um, we feel like the next step, we and the board and Infocom and a lot of our members feel like the next step is to grow beyond our industry to the market. So market growth means going into enterprise organizations that uh, have robust centralized technology roadmaps and making sure that they understand the, the effect that AV systems have on their, uh, the outcomes that they want to achieve. Uh, you know, it's, it's being able to say, yes, we can help you increase productivity by X percent with a system that does ec- these things for you, whether it's a unified communication system or it's a, a better presentation system or, or something like that. Um, so the overall theme, and there are many ways that uh, Infocom is going to, uh, you know, support the industry in it, is to grow the market. So we're distinguish, distinguishing between industry growth, which has been gangbusters for, for a while, and market growth, which is really uh, expanding us beyond and having more people see themselves in the AV ecosystem. Um, and that's, th- that's the biggest thing that we're going to try to do for the next three years. Okay. 
uh, I did. I would be remiss if I if we didn't talk about some industry stuff and, and things of that nature. I, I did broach the whole uh, election thing with our, with our guests at the end. Uh, I'm not going to ask who you voted for or or what you think of the outcome specifically politically. Um, but in, in earnest, and I, and I kicked it off with, with Brock on purpose because Brock has a unique position. Brock is in Canada. Uh, he's in Toronto. And there are a couple of initiatives that, that the president-elect uh, is looking at doing. Frank, from and you, you were in, in the room, you heard what Ian was talking about with the different um, economies, and, and you make your own economy, right? You make your own deal. Um, but Brock did bring up some, some significant uh, financial possible issues how big of an issue is the transition between one administration and another for our industry well it's not like we didn't know it was coming well uh, there's an yeah. election every four years there is okay uh, <laughs> so the, the the nice part too is we're constantly looking at trends and what's going on in the industry um part I, I have a team that's that's business development to figure out what some of the other vendors are doing out there as well. So we're, we're constantly looking at the trends. We're, we're paying for the data, the eye supply data. Um, so we, we try to keep our finger close to the pulse of, of what's going on with others out there. And I think that'll, that'll help us with, with what happened. But again, there's no excuses. We know what, the, we, we know what, uh, that this was coming and, um, our team at back at corporate is, is working on, you know, the, efficiencies every day so regardless of, of what decisions are made we have efficiencies that w that go directly to our customer base so um, whether whether you're excited about the election results or, or disappointed um, I think that you know th as as Ian said there's no excuses we, we got to get there we got to get we got to still deliver and we still got to keep moving forward yeah uh, Gina one of the areas that you specifically cover is, is education um, Lots have been said in general um, about trying to, you know, increase uh, the number of people who, who go to college and, and, and um, attend college and, and get their degrees. How can FSR or, or our industry help educators connect more with, with the people coming up through those ranks? I think we're already doing a really good job of that by providing technology that does bridge that gap and, and quite literally having people who didn't have access um, to education be able to receive online degrees and things like that and the infrastructure that our industry provides um, kind of builds those those foundations for that type of a technology. And what we're seeing is that um, different types of teaching and learning um, and classroom styles are really inviting different students to that, that might not have liked that traditional lecture type of um, environment or the sage on the stage type of environment. They like the more hands-on. Um, and so they were originally turned off by college and we're seeing a lot of those technologies um, being utilized to p promote the buzzword collaboration, right? Um, so they promote collaboration, they promote active learning, they promote um, interactivity between the students and becomes much more student focused. And whether you're a student who's 18 years old or you're a student who's 45 or 50 years old, it doesn't matter because you're all peers at that level and you're teaching each other and, and the teacher becomes the moderator. Um, those technologies that our industry provides allows that, that bridge to, to, to exist. Did you use 45 for 50 because you think that's old? 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm on my way there, I promise. One day. <laughs> One day. Oh, goodness. Another gray hair. All right. Um, <laughs> Uh, Mr. Grimes, um, we uh, had a nice conversation with uh, with Dave Lubuskis the other day. One of the things he said was uh, about how Infocom International is is growing more internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, talk for a second about the different areas that you guys are moving into and how you're doing that. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, Inter- Infocom International is an international organization in so much as we, we have trade shows in China and India and South America and uh, we... Uh, the ISC show, the huge one in Europe, uh, we, we're a part owner of that uh, show. So, um, from a trade show point of view, yes, we are we, are, we have a great uh, global footprint. Um, but we also want to do the same things that we do here over there. And there are parts of the world that are hungry to uh, professionalize an AV industry, and some of them are really advanced in the way that they talk about AV as as um, as a as a technology platform for solving problems and, and creating outcomes. In India, for instance. Um, they talk a lot about uh, the, the digital cities initiatives over there and the way that they're going to use technology to really modernize the country. Um, and they do see AV as a critical component of that. Um, so in, a, in one way, you know, they, they were, I don't want to say a blank slate, but they were not as far along with legacy AV business and systems and relationships as we were here. Um, so they're hungry for, okay, how do we take this kind of technology and, and, and professionalize it and get trained folks and uh, get all the best knowledge and, you know, really make our country a technology, uh, technologically advanced country. So, so that's exciting. So we take the type of model that we, take, that we do here with standards and certification and, and training and education, and we do try to, to put it out uh, in, in India and in South America. We have a great program going on. We have lots of people down there working on it. Um, and really, there's nobody working in North America in the AV industry that doesn't have uh, business overseas or doesn't have a client who has business overseas. Or I mean, this isn't—it's uh, a global industry, whether yeah. we like it or not. And in part because we've enabled it, you know, to be to everything to be global. I mean, if it weren't for the AV industry, a lot of things couldn't be as global as they are now. So. Um, so, you know, we've seen a lot of great success expanding overseas. Some countries, it's obviously, uh, you know, we're, we're further along than others. Uh, but it's critical to, the, to, the, to, to our membership here, to our membership there, because it is just, a, you know, one big global uh, industry. And, and uh, you know, we want to give the same resources there as we have here. Frank, I, I want to pick on you for a little bit about that specific thing, because Milestone, a uh, company that owns Chief, you guys exhibit ISC. You have mm-hmm. global offices. How do you um, translate literally and translate figur- figuratively outside the U.S.? So international growth is a, a huge focus for Milestone. Um, we've obviously been established in the U.S. for quite some time. Um, we have a, a very large team, but internationally is where a lot of our double-digit plus growth is expected. Um, We're constantly growing that team, that organization. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, we have a a national sales meeting coming up, or it's, I can't call it national anymore. It's an international meeting. We bring in a lot of people from across the pond, as they say, and that team is constantly growing. There's a lot of new faces. Um, Obviously, Milestone's expanded with multiple brands, but we've expanded over there quite a bit. Just what Brad said, we're working very closely a lot of times with our counterparts because these projects, our customers are getting involved into much more a global outreach. And there's projects we're working on right now that are that are multiple countries. And being a global organization, 
is is put it helps our value proposition um, because we're able to to accommodate those projects. How so? I mean, does that? I mean, because you said it, it it increases your value proposition to clients here or clients overseas. So uh, clients here that are doing projects that that are expanding. Maybe it's a digital signage rollout that's in multiple countries, and they they want uh, a consistent message, a consistent experience that they have here in the states, and they want that same consistency overseas. Yeah, very good. Gina, we'll wrap up with you. Um, you've been in the, in the industry um, a long time. Um, you're not that old, but you have been in the industry um, a, a few years. <laughs> totally just walked into that. Um, <laughs> Lucky you're sitting so far away. I am, <laughs> but kick. still, I am going to get hit. Um, how has the industry changed uh, over the last few years? In what significant ways? Um... So I feel like the, I mean, is it fair to say, I feel like it's less competitively charged and more friendly. I feel like people are willing to help each other where they weren't necessarily before. Um, things like the AVEC and, and conferences like that really give us a, an opportunity to sit in a non-competitive environment and create relationships and I think that those relationships then are sustained and maintained outside of these conferences. So I feel like people are more welcoming and more open. Um, I, not that we weren't friendly, I guess, but. No, but I, I get I get exactly where you're where you're going from because you're right. Um, it, it go back to to Ian Altman's uh, talking points about you know same side selling. It's it's not adversarial. It's not you know, a winner take all, it's not a game. It's a relationship, it really is. Uh, and trying to help somebody solve a problem and be uh, being honest with them. And if you can't, well, you know what, Gina, you know, Gina, I can't help you, but Frank here has got exactly what you need. And how do I know that? Because I have a relationship with Frank because of events like this. And I know, you know, in general, what his strong points are. And, you know, it's not golf, but other than that, <laughs> um, you know, what, what his, what his. You'd think it would be since would, he plays so often. Be, yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, wrapping up here. Where do we, what, where does, what does AV look like in, in a year, Brad? In or maybe year. five years. In a year. Well, it continues to evolve as a core component of enterprise technology strategies. Uh, I mean, a lot of what we, we talk about here and what Ian Altman talks about is all part of the same message. I mean, the reason that we have international reach now is because we have gotten into the same selling, same side selling mindset where all I want to do is solve this person's problem. You mean you're going to have the same conference in six other countries, same conference from six hundred other countries? Well, I, I, I can standardize it. I can roll it out in all these places, and I have partners, or I have sales forces. So it's all part of again, listening and finding that solution uh, to their problems. Uh, but in a year, we're going to continue to be more engaged in enterprise strategies. I mean, it's a core component of the way organizations work, and um, we're going to have conversations that reflect that, and we're going to be even more crucial technology partners to a lot of different types of companies, enterprises uh, a year from now. Yeah, very good. And I think kind of to that, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're good. Um, I, I think kind of to that point, um, you brought up partners and, and going back to the friendly, right? Um, organizations like USAV and PSNI really allow that to happen. And I think that's why they're 
they're flourishing now. They're they're so successful because they've created those partnerships to allow for global expansion. So if you're doing a project for you know Bank of America in New York City, um, and Bank of America wants you to do their you know China office um, and maintain it you might not be able to send a whole bunch of people over there as a small or medium-sized integration company and and you have um, USAV partners or PSNI partners that have locations out there and, and can help with either a labor force or managed service you know force or, or whatever that may be so so again I feel like five ten years ago I've been in the industry 11 years, if you wanted to know. Um, <laughs> Put a number on it. I, I will mark <laughs> but it down. I, I feel like 11 years ago, people were so afraid of like, somebody's going to steal my intellectual property, intellectual property of what you're connecting black boxes. Like, your guys don't know anything different than the guys at the integration down the road, the integration company down the road. Um, so I really think that 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 kind of organization as, as uh, preferred partners and things like that has really grown in the past 10 years. Well, and it goes back to your, to your statement about helping each other out mm -hmm. and sharing information and learning, you know, getting to know your competitors um, because it, you know, we all have core competencies, right? We all have things that we do really well. None of us do everything well, I'm sorry. Um, but there is, you know, there's two or three things that we, we nail, we hit a home run. Um, and if we can't help, if we can't solve their problem, then we do pass them on to somebody else. Mm. No. All right, Mr. Frank Pisano, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How do people find you or Chief? Um, at Pisano Frank on Twitter. Uh, and the, uh, I don't have to say the W's anymore, right? Just milestone.com. You don't have to. <laughs> to, to get access to all age. of our brands. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Speaking of gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gina Sanchez Arrow, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. It was a pleasure as always. How do people find you or FSR? Um, at Gina Sands, at FSR underscore EDU, and FSRinc.com. All right, very good. And Mr. Brad Grimes, thank you, sir. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, thanks for the space and everything. Sure. It's a beautiful room. It's a beautiful room. <laughs> Wish you all could see this. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do people find you and Infocom? Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at BGrimesDC. Uh, I would have to pull out my phone to double check that, but I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, obviously, Infocom is at Infocom, and uh, everything that we do is at Infocom.org. All right, very good. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me, but go by the website if you would, please. Lots of great folks have done really great work on it. Uh, Avianation.tv, Avianation.tv. You'll find this program, a host of others, uh, so check that out if you would, please. Avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. This has been AV Week. <laughs> <laughs>